Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Time for the ESO Dragon Con Report, a podcast dedicated to help newcomers and veterans prepare for the upcoming annual convention in downtown Atlanta. With interviews, advice, and news from the pros and fans alike, be careful, you never know, you might actually learn something. Howdy and welcome to the second episode of the 2017 Dragon Con Con Report. There is now less than 200 days until Dragon Con. Oh. Uh, I know. It, it, you know what? It still hasn't hit me, though. But what did hit me is the amount of news and information that's out there right now. It's, it makes me really happy that we do this because I think anybody who's listening is going to get some really valuable information out of this. Um, just, and as, as, as some entertainment too, hopefully. But um, anyway, I just wanted to uh, welcome everybody. If this is your first episode, then welcome. If this is your second, or maybe you've listened to us all these years, thank you for that. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Gordon. I'm pleased to introduce you to the rest of our station crew, starting of course with director Faber. Hey, Mr. Mike, how you be this month? How are you, sir? I'm doing amazing, surprisingly, because it's 200 days or less till Dragon Con. There, there's still a lot of stuff to do, that's for sure. But we've still got a lot of time. And you're not even a big, you know, costumer, cosplayer. Oh, no, but I have already things in the works with Dragon Con with all the different panels and tracks, you know, just getting ready to figure out what we're going to be talking about this year. And that's it's alone. True. Yeah, we already have, uh, you know, we're also, we're already negotiating with directors as far as what, what tracks we're going to be part of. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, hey, you know, it's interesting because we have, what, four or five months left and, you know, we're deep into Dragon Cons negotiating and talking, you know, with different places, like you said, but also, you know, events for ESO and such. Yes, yes. Because, damn it, we are not going to do a trying to find a room at the last minute for the ESO group for family reunion this year. Why why ruin the tradition? (laughs) Do you really really want to go with that one? No, let's move on. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. (laughs) And and as you just heard, of course, we have Darren Noel once again joining us. Yeah, hi. I can't keep my big mouth shut through the intro, I know. (laughs) Hey, that's fine. I understand. I understand. How are you, sir? I am present and accounted for, sir. And we are glad to have you. We also have with us Mary Lou Who, once again. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, as uh, and I'm going to not forget to introduce her this month. (laughs) For the very first introduction of the year, we have with us Tacoma Sanchez. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) <laughs> hey everyone 
and uh, so now the the three of you are really uh, more of uh, and we'll get into this later because we are going to talk about maybe the difference between costuming and cosplay. But um, uh, but as far as setting your costumes now, I mean, how how deep are you into it right now? <laughs> Ladies <laughs> first. <laughs> I have done nothing. I picked up a skirt from the thrift store the other day that I thought might work for a Velma cosplay, but it wasn't on my list. <laughs> so, so everything's still up in the air at this point. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, very much so. Awesome. Well, uh, and like I said, we're definitely going to get into it. We've got some good discussion coming up regarding cosplay and costuming, and uh, it's going to be pretty fun. Um, so we're also going to feature some segments with Eternal Zan. Uh, she's got some uh, very interesting uh, parade and hotel information for us. And Kevin Batchelder, where we talk about panels and what makes a fan panel. Uh, this Earth Station One special report is sponsored by the ESO Amazon eStore, where you can find all sorts of cool, geeky merchandise. If you're ordering from s- some swag from Amazon, please help us out by going through our link. It doesn't cost you any more, and it really does help us out. Uh, if you'd like to leave feedback or comment on the show, please call our ESO feedback line at 404-963-9057, or feel free, feel free please feel free. Uh, to email us at esopodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on social media. Uh, please, we definitely want feedback from you guys as far as if there's any questions, any information that you want us to find out about how DragonCon works, behind the scenes, etc., uh, let us know, and we will address it on an upcoming episode. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about. It's amazing to me how much uh, has gone on already since the last uh, episode that we've had. Now, um, as far as news and notes, now the the, the important dates, um, they haven't updated though that part of the site yet. So I have no idea about when certain uh, memberships are going to be due or anything like that and when they're going to go up in price. I think they're already over $100 for a weekend membership. So if you haven't already uh, got a membership for the weekend, please do so because they're only going to go up in price from here on out. Um, I also want to let folks know that um, uh, the, uh, if you're interested in traveling through Delta, uh, there is a special discounted airfare uh, for DragonCon 2017. Um, you can find that on the official site. Uh, I believe the code is uh uh, N as in Nancy, M as in Mike, P as in Peter, T as in Tom, and then the number four under the meeting event code. Um, you can find out more information as how you can use that code uh, by going to the official site. But that'll save you, um, I think it's 10%. Um, there's a special discounted airfare. So uh, I definitely, it, I guess the discount range is anywhere from 2 to 10, depending on you know, what class you're, you're booking your, your flights at or, or whatnot. So it'll save but, you pennies on the dollar. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, and way to, and way to sell it there. Director. I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? Hey, like every little bit helps, especially when you're talking about dragon con, cause it's so expensive and now I can buy those extra canola bars. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> One of the dates I think we talked about last episode was the date to register for the parade. Now, that date has come and gone, and I believe registration filled up, I think, that same day. It was unprecedented uh, as far as uh, the number of people who registered. 
Um, I, I am kind of bewildered uh, and, and somewhat honored that some people feel that it was uh, our fault that uh, here on the Dragon Con report that, that it filled up. Everything so with fast. Dragon Con is our fault, Mike. Come on. Well, you um, know that. I, I'm sort of honored that people think we have that kind of power. But um, I mean, we did we did report last week or last month that uh, that we, there were uh, some rumors that we had heard from a reliable source that this was going to be the last year of the parade. Now, I, I think we made it perfectly clear that it was just rumors at that point. There was nothing official. Um, but, um, I think that some folks are saying that that's what led to the fact that everybody wanted to jump on it and, uh, and get in while they could. So, uh, I, I, it had nothing to do with the fact maybe that, um, it was on TV last year and people wanted to see themselves on TV this year. I don't know. But, um, in any case, the, the rumor is still out there that it's the last parade. I, again, I don't know if it is really or not. Um, I certainly don't want it to be. I think the parade is a great thing for Dragon Con. And, um, uh, and it's probably one of those things that's in flux. I think uh, Dragon Con, certainly there's a lot of pros and cons to having the parade. But um, uh, until it comes down to the wire, they're not really going to know. Uh, whether or not they're going to be able to do it again, because it just is one of those things that requires a lot of um, uh, logistics and a lot of uh, money to make it happen. So, uh, what one thing is definite uh, that uh, DragonCon has announced is their 2017 choice of charity. The uh, official charity for uh, this year's DragonCon is the Special Olympics of Georgia. So great, that is, great that, charity. Really awesome that is charity. Part, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the Dragon Con does uh, pick a different charity every year, um, and uh, I'm not sure exactly what goes into the choices and how they determine it. I think you have to uh, go to those meetings. I think there's a way that you can contact them to, uh, if you are a charity, to to sort of apply for uh, some kind of um, uh, you know. Uh, if you want to apply to be a charity of Dragon Con. But uh, Special Olympics George, I mean, what can you say? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great cause. Mm, I wonder if ESO can be a charity for Dragon Con. No, <laughs> stop it. We are charity cases, but not, not like this. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I would hate to call us, you know, that much, that much in need of, of help. But uh, some people may disagree. You haven't seen the uh, station uh, bank account lately, have you? Then, <laughs> well, we need more people to order from the Amazon store. Um, one of the other dates that's out there that I was able to get a hold of is that uh, 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 next month media registration opens on March fifteenth. Uh, you can find out more about that at uh, mediarelations.dragoncon.org. Um, it'll be open until August. Um, there's, um, no on-site media registration for, um, web-based media. So, uh, if you are planning to get a media badge or interested in getting a media badge, there are a lot of restrictions. Um, so, uh, I definitely would take a look at the eligibility, uh, before you apply and, um, uh, send anything their way. If they, if you have questions, uh, I'm sure they're more than happy to, uh, address them. Right, Mary? Of course, absolutely. We're here to help. What uh, What would you say is a, a very uh, maybe a common thing that people want to keep in mind if they're applying for a media badge? Um, 
Well, first of all, everyone is welcome to apply. Uh, don't feel um, if you're smaller or whatever, don't feel like you can't apply. There are, um, of course, uh, certain standards that the media relations team looks for when they're accepting um, people as media for the for DragonCon. But um, we always encourage people who aren't necessarily accepted this year to um, continue their normal activities and reapply next year. Um, just because you've been turned down one time doesn't ever mean um, that we won't be happy to welcome you in the future when your outlet is, you know, meets the the standards that we're looking for. Um, so that first, of course, um, and then also we do require uh, media to show their um, coverage of the event. So there is a deadline after DragonCon uh, that we we ask all of our media badge holders to email us um, their coverage of the convention, just so we can make sure that, like, you know, you came, you saw, you actually wrote about it, um, and and you know, we we want to keep everyone on the list legitimate. Um, and if you do not return that uh, information to us, you will no longer be allowed to cover DragonCon. So that is essential. Um, but as far as that goes, we want everyone to come and have a great time and um, and and say great things about DragonCon. I say honest things, but say great things too. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Just apply and, um, and keep trying. If you don't get it the first time, eventually, you know, you'll get there and, and we want to have you. Awesome. Awesome, thank you. Um, and uh, another announcement that the DragonCon made. Now we talked about this uh, last month as well, because uh, we we mentioned that the Lord of the Rings uh, track was going to be uh, dissolved. Uh, well, DragonCon has established it's official now. It's called the Epic Fantasy Track. Uh, this is going to be the home of Game of Thrones, uh, King Killer Chronicles, Lord of the Rings, Wheel of Time. Shannara and and anything else that falls in that purview. So uh, that is now the the replacement for uh, the Lord of the Rings. It's the epic fantasy track, which is is going to be tons of Games of Thrones, I'm sure, uh, material, but more uh, uh, other topics as well. So, um, also that uh, they we have also confirmed that there is no uh, panel programming going to be at the Apparel Mart. Uh, there is um, uh, one of the things that is moving to the Apparel Mart, though, is land gaming, and that is moving to Building One. Uh, it's going to be accessible from the West End, and uh, they are also sponsoring, I think, for the first time, a tournament. So uh, you can find out more information about that by going to the. I believe they have a Facebook group, so you can check that out. Uh, speaking of Facebook groups, the Dragon Con Awards uh, went uh, was very successful last year, so they're holding it again this year. Uh, the Awards Collective, uh, Dragon Con Awards Collective, is now a new Facebook group, so you can find out about how you can nominate folks or uh, take uh, part in the Dragon Con's awards by going to the Facebook group now. And uh, those are most of the uh, official uh, announcements, uh, information that I've been able to find out now. There was a big news story came out, I think it was last week, week ago, that, uh, and this is unfortunate, but uh, for, these things have happened, that uh, the Sheridan um, <laughs> did something that, um, well, I'm going to go out and say it. It just seemed downright shady. Um, they let, now the Sheridan is the, one of the host hotels at Dragon Con, and they are one of the legacy hotels, and they're one of the hotels that allow folks to, uh, make their reservations, book their rooms for the following year. So many, 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 many people 
2016, booked their weekends for 2017 and paid the full amount. Uh, I believe it was non-refundable, but I'm not sure about that. But I, um, but uh, they, they, last month, all of them to a person got a notification that there was a error in the system and that uh, they were going to be required to pay. I believe it was another twenty dollars additional uh, for every night that they were staying, which worked out to be um, well over, you know, two hundred, uh, well over a hundred dollars for per room. And uh, a lot of people did not like this at all, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and uh, the Sheridan's rationale for this was that uh, now whenever you book rooms, uh, make reservations, uh, they, they, you are quoted a price of the room. And then you are quoted an estimate of what taxes and fees are going to be, the local taxes, uh, county taxes, that kind of thing. Um, uh, it's a very real thing that the taxes in Atlanta, uh, regarding hotels are going up this year. Uh, they will probably hit around April or May is when they actually will go up. Um, the Sheridan did not take that into a account when, uh, they quoted everybody their pricing. And so they adjusted accordingly. And, uh, a lot of people were not happy about that. Um, this is going to affect every single hotel that, uh, that is around Dragon Con, uh, is in the city. Uh, most of the hotels will be adjusting their rates and charging these uh, higher fees once people check out uh, or check in uh, at the time of the convention. So, uh, but the Sheridan decided to uh, announce this at, at, and, and give everybody a heads up, which was not the best way to do it, I think. Um, and uh, I don't know. Does anybody here have a room at the Sheridan? Were they affected? No, but I do have friends are, and it's funny how the Sheraton got caught with their pants down, pretty much. Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, obviously, it's it's it, it, all the hotels are being affected. Oh, I know, Mike. But what they did and tried to get away with it, though was just pure scummy and it even made the local news here yeah. because of it. Yeah. Well, they didn't try to get away with it. They got away. with it. I mean, basically the bottom line is they basically have said, um, either you pay this hundred dollars or whatever the uh, amount was, um, or we'll give you a full refund on your room. So, um, whereas the room fees were prior to that non-refundable, they did, uh, say that, you know, if you don't want to pay this, you will refund your money in its entirety. And now they're also now, of course they do it though. After all the other hotel rooms are gone. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, that's going to happen. Anyway. I mean, I feel like, and this is just my personal opinion. I feel like they feel that they can kind of get away with this sort of behavior simply because it is dragon con. And they know that regardless, somebody's going to buy those rooms. Yeah. We'll give you a full refund, but that room's going to be gone at the rate that they're going to ask for it anyway. Sure, sure. I would imagine that a lot of rooms in the Sheridan uh, became available this last week or so. How would you guys think of would have been a better way to, for them to handle it? Well, I, I, I think the best way to handle it is once the tax rate went up, send out notices to everyone who was the you know resignation uh, the reservation holder and say, unfortunately, the city of Atlanta has raised their taxes, and this is going to be. This is going to directly impact your, you know, stay from this state to this state. 
at this point, this you can either pay this up front or you can pay it upon check-in, your choice. Is that not what happened? No, they no. they were they were asked to to pay it um, immediately, pretty much immediately, immediately. Yeah. yeah, or else because yeah. you know they're coming. Yeah I, yeah, I think it was the pay us now or you lose your room felt yeah. like an extortion scheme. When really, <laughs> is there some what, reason maybe they do it that way? I mean, I don't really know the, how the I, rules of I all mean, that works. Like, is there is there possibly a reason that they were required to do it like that? Well, I I mean, I don't know if there is necessarily a reason, but honestly, if the taxes are going up and it's not going to hit until May or April, for them to ask people to preemptively pay that, even though it was their mishap this far in advance, it's a multi-million, if not billion dollar hotel chain. They confront a couple grand or a few grand until those people check in or check out. Like, there's no reason why that shouldn't be covered unless there's some law somewhere that states they're not allowed to do that, even though it was their own snafu. Yeah. Well, I, think, I, mean, I think this is like a similar hotel done Was that policy change enacted after DragonCon or before? Do we know? Which Was which, it something they should have known when these people originally reserved their room? Or could they not possibly have known about it at that time? Well, they, they said that it was a uh, computer error on their part that charged everybody the wrong amount. Okay. Uh, because, gotcha. because it wasn't factored in. Okay. Um, now... Now, the Sheridan is a little different because, uh, like, for example, I'm at the Marriott. Uh, now, the Marriott, uh, when you make your reservation out, <laughs> there, it's a whole, like, I am not pleased with how the hotels, you know, run their business around DragonCon. I do think that it's shady. I do think that it's borderline gouging. Um, and I, I do believe that, you know, we are all in some ways held hostage to, to this, but you know, it's, it's what the market will bear. Right. So okay. you just have to kind of deal with it. But, uh, so with the Marriott this year, uh, and this is another point that I want to make clear to people, anybody who's staying at the Marriott, when you made your reservation in October, you were required to pay half of the uh, amount upfront, uh, non-refundable. And the second half of your reservation would be due on March 1st. And that's non-refundable as well. And if something happens where you cannot uh, provide uh, the funds on March 1st, if they reach into your account and it's not there, they will go ahead and just plain cancel your reservation and keep the money. Um, and and that that's an important point, Mike. So anyone who's in the Marriott or any other hotel, yes. you need to know when they're going to take the next part of your deposit. Absolutely. You need to make sure, hey, you haven't had to replace your debit card or something for because of some shenanigans between <laughs> August, September, and now. Oh, Guilty yeah. as charged. That's, exactly. I, had to, I talked to someone at the Marriott And today then you because... need to call them and make sure they've got the new number on file or else they will just like, well, see ya, bye. That's exactly what happened to me today because I, I was concerned about that. So I called the Marriott today and I had to jump through four people until I finally got someone who could actually help me and change, uh, the, uh, the, the credit card number that it was, uh, that it was assigned to. Well, you have to be um, careful also because a lot of people are starting to get the credit cards with the chips in them mm-hmm. and they, you know, probably made their reservation with the old card. And even though it has the same credit card number, the expiration date and the security card at the on the back has changed. Well, and with the Marriott in particular, I have had a horrible experience with them trying to charge a debit card. They just can't seem to be able to 
chart, no matter how much money is in my account, uh, for some reason, my debit card just doesn't work with them. Uh, and I know other people that have had that experience as well. Or um, it'll, add, you know, it'll, it'll charge too much for the, uh, for the debit and it'll bounce. So um, in any case, I definitely encourage people to, um, uh, to call anybody who, especially is at the Marriott, uh, to, to call them, make sure that the information that they have is valid because the credit information they had for me was not valid. So I had to, uh, I had to be transferred to two other people before I got someone who could change the number. Uh, they went ahead and uh, charged my second half of my room rate. Now, the fees and taxes on top of those are still to be determined. So come checkout time um, at DragonCon this year, I still will owe them money, probably over $100 because of the taxes and the fees that have uh, accumulated uh, and that are going up with the city of Atlanta. So, so uh, we're not done. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a really horrible process. Um, I, I don't know how it can be streamlined. Um, obviously we've had experiences, uh, bad experiences with other of these, uh, the other of the host hotels in years past, things like this are, are going to continue to happen. And obviously people are going to think the worst because you know, the way that they're acting seems to me, in my mind, uh, uh, you know, just really not making things very easy for people. Well, this is this is the anti-customer service policy that these hotels have yeah. had. And I, I, yeah, all of them, not all of them have at some point down the road, they have had issues where, oh, their, their solution is just to cancel everything. Yes. You know, and instead of contacting someone, instead of calling a customer to say, hey, we had a problem. We know you wanted to stay here. Can can you help us out? Can we figure this out? No, no. The hotel just cancels it, and then when you discover that it's canceled, they have no record of it in their system because, of course, it's been canceled. And now you've got to wait on the phone for hours at a time sometimes to find someone who has the ability to pull up anything that's been quote-unquote canceled, even if you provide a paper copy of everything. Sometimes and, – and the year that this happened to us – they offered us a room at a, another hotel in the chain, ten miles from DragonCon. Hmm. You know, at an upcharge, by the way. <laughs> right. Of course, of I mean, course, you know, and because of course they did nothing. That's what we all want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, no, this is not what we uh, we wanted. So, if you have a hotel reservation at DragonCon, any of the hotels, you've got to be on that stuff. You got to be. You got to be like prepared be to deal with crazy. Please be calling like every Call other them. month and don't, don't only call the hotel, call the corporate office too. Yep. Sometimes they can help you with stuff that the regular hotel can't or won't. Or sometimes you just get someone who knows more. So if you're not calling every two months, you're doing yourself a disservice. Like yeah. they're not going to help you out. And most of the, ho most of the hotels have apps and I would definitely encourage you because it doesn't take much. Just pull up your app. Make sure your reservation is still there. Mm -hmm. Like, just make sure because I wouldn't you, trust that. I wouldn't trust that. I would only trust that on the phone. <laughs> well, take a and, screenshot. And hold on, of it. not even, not even that. Keep a record of who you talk to. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you can't just say write some person. Down. Write well, everything down. Pretend this is a D and D game. Here's the scary thing: is that <laughs> when I when I initially made the payment on my reservation, the initial payment in October. 
Um, I'm, you know, am I going to get an email with the amount that I paid? Oh no, you're, that'll just be on your credit card. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, so even so though I've got to a res- anything that they don't have to document. Right. And the, I mean, even today, when, to do it. even today when I'm like, okay, now we, we made, you know, you check the card, it went through. So now I'm, I'm good, right? I'm good until September. Yep. You're good. Am I going to get, you know, anything in the email that says that I, I made this payment? No, it'll just no. be on your credit card bill. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I don't understand. I don't understand that. And, and that here's something that I'm going to actually experiment with. I'm actually staying at one of the host hotels this weekend for another event that is not con related. And I'm going to see if I can, if I can engage their level of customer service to see if it's better or worse because I'm not related to dragon con. No, I, that's almost unfair simply because any uh, dragon con brings a, a special amount of people <laughs> To it, those, it, it to those does, but and so having, do all the other conventions that they seem to be not, able to do business with because these extent. people are in suits and ties and command a certain presence. Well, I mean, you don't have that problem when we do Frolicon and Frolicon's hosted at Sheridan. No one at Frolicon is dressed. But we still don't have <laughs> <the> service issues. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying, I, I have I'm sorry, I, I, I forgot about what the subject was. in the Marriott I've detected that there is a difference in attitude of some of the workers because you're in a costume or because you're with Dragon Con because they view us I think as a necessary evil and some of the folks may love us there but I think there are other people there who would just as rather see us go away see and maybe it's because maybe it's because I haven't stayed in a hosting hotel I can never afford to stay in a hosting hotel and I'm too old to sleep on the floor in somebody's room um uh anytime that I've gone into the hotels for panels or I've talked to the hotel staff whether it's been to find my way around something or to ask about rooms because I do I do really want to stay in a hosting hotel uh later on in the future and when I've gone up to ask them they've always been and I'm always in full costume um They've always been extremely nice and caring. And it seems to me like most of the hotels, at least while we're there, from my experience, try to at least bring on the staff members that uh, that are actively enjoying having us around them. That's obviously not the case in every situation, but those are the ones that I've run into more often than not. Granted, you throw money into the situation and then 80,000 people and everyone's going to get a little testy. Yeah, but no. see, I see that as their job. My problem has never been with any of the hotel staff. I've ne- never really had an issue with the staff. It's always been hotel policy, yes. hotel upper management decisions. Yeah. Made, decisions that are made not by that specific hotel have always been where my problems have been. Everyone's always been super nice to me. Yeah. I, and I, I, you know, and if anything comes from the uh, the workings or the the the, stri- the strategic partnership with Momocon that many people have rumored uh the, the, the rumor is is that dragon con is thinking about moving to uh to the world congress center if if i were dragon con i would try to use that if even if it wasn't true at least as some leverage to get the the hotels to at least behave a little bit better um but then again i i you know it's all the hotels don't have a reason to behave better until Dragon Con pulls right. out of the hotels entirely because they know those rooms are gone. Right. And even they, if they know they even, are. It's even a guarantee if, thing. It is. Right. It's a guarantee. Yeah. So why why should the hotels be, I mean, 
I think they do this on purpose, honestly, where they're like, oh, look, there's a problem and we're going to cancel it so we can get we get your deposit half yeah, that we money, get, we non-refundable, get, we get, done, we and get, now we're going to rent that room again to make up for the quote-unquote con rate. We get, and we it's get gonna paid be twice for the room. Rate. Yeah, they do it on purpose. I'm yeah, gonna... well, what they're also doing here, and I'm not a business person, so you know, take this with a grain of salt, but what they're also doing is eliminating any hassle for themselves because they don't. They know that they don't have to deal with any hassle in order to get their money. If mm-hmm. you're... If you're um, credit card number is wrong, if whatever whatever their nonsense reasons for canceling your room are, they know that they don't have to go through the hassle of calling you to get that correct information when they can just cancel it and get someone else to give them money, and that doesn't waste yeah. their time. So yeah. they're just until, looking for less hassle here. Yep, until it winds up being a news story like what happened to the Hyatt two years ago, or three years ago, whenever yeah, that no, happened. No, and of course I'm not saying it's right, of course I'm not saying oh, any no, of that. No, I'm just saying that yeah. customer service is no, not important because they're going to get a customer no matter. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we've got some more information coming from Zan on the hotel stuff. So we're going to let her go into a little bit more detail about that. But um, obviously my, you know, I don't think it can be stressed enough. You know, if you're in the host hotels, no matter what you're, uh, how you're traveling and where you're staying, please uh, check everything, continue to check as the months go on because you never know when something might change. And unfortunately, the hotels are not that good about letting you know, so you'll have to be proactive with that. So just be aware. They're not uh, we'll good try communicators at all. Yeah, we'll try to do everything that we can as we get information to keep you updated on on stuff that happens. But I would also be participate in a lot of the groups, uh, especially the ones that Zan's part of, because they monitor hotels and, and their shenanigans all year round. So I, I would do that. So, well, cool. Well, now that we've got that off our, our chest, we do have uh, some guest announcements to make because uh, DragonCon has finally uh, announced some some great guests for this year. Uh, they started to announce that. But before we go into the guest announcements, I did want to at least pay uh, a few minutes tribute to um, uh, a person that uh, a guest, frequent guest that, uh, has been going to DragonCon, has been a part of DragonCon ever since I can remember. Uh, certainly in the uh, as in the late 90s, uh, he started going as a guest. And I can't really imagine DragonCon without him. There are certainly uh, a lot of folks, uh, a lot of personalities, a lot of celebrities that have uh, certainly passed. And uh, while I don't, you know, need we don't certainly mean to make the DragonCon report, you know, an in memoriam section, um, certainly that would have, doubled our our length of episodes last year um uh you know from everybody who's been a guest at dragon con i i had to you know really want to just take a moment to um uh dedicate uh the rest of our reports uh to uh richard hatch uh, simply because um like i said i can't even imagine uh, he's been a staple at dragon con um since since i think i've been going there um, he was one of the first big guests that I can remember meeting uh, from a show, uh, Battlestar Galactica, that I absolutely love. And um, uh, in fact, uh, I, I, I think it was the last day of the convention last year. Uh, I was at the Marriott. I went into my, I got out of my room for the morning to go to the comic and artist alley area. And as I got on the elevator to go down uh, to the Marriott, uh, there he was on the elevator. So it was just the two of us. We chatted for a little bit, exchanged pleasantries. And uh, then once we, we hit the f- ground floor, uh, we went our separate ways. But um, uh, he was just always uh, – I don't think I've heard anybody talk badly about him. 
his, his table in the Walk of Fame, even though that um, for years, when Dragon Con, uh, when sorry, when Battlestar Galactica was not um, a, a, a thing that people cared about as much, uh, he was there uh, supporting the show, trying to get it um, continued, trying to make it live on, and, uh, and 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 had a lot of efforts that way. Um, when it finally was rebooted on Sci-Fi, he was, you know, he was part of that. Uh, they 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 cast him in a, in a great role, and he was a great ambassador for that show as well. Um, and and he was the kind of guest that no matter what was going on with his career, you always saw people at his table because he was so nice and, and welcoming to talk to. I don't know if anybody else here has had uh, moments with Richard Hatch, but. Um, uh, I, I definitely think he'll be missed this year. I've only met him once, and that was like two years ago, waiting in line actually to pick up my badge at Dragon Con. He was oh, right. Yeah. He was right behind me, and we just started chatting and talking, and he was asking you know, about the podcast, and he was asking about what kind of stuff we talked about. And you know, he said, oh, is that the guy who had the uh, restraining order from Elijah Dushku? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, he was just super nice. He was just really awesome. And I have friends of mine who have known him for over 30 years and they, you know, have nothing bad to say about the man. Yeah, I know that, uh, you know, she couldn't be on this week's uh, or this month's episode, but I know that uh, our good friend, Nikki Rao Baker had a lot of great moments with him as well. Um, and, uh, you know, it just sucks, but, um, uh, mm-hmm. he was 71 and, you know, um, uh, it cancer's a bitch. So, mm-hmm. so, um, but anyway, on, 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 on a more, uh, positive note, um, uh, Mike and, and Mary, you have some announcements. Yeah. They finally have made announcements of who is coming to Dragon Con and to make it the list even easier more complicated they've added into the guest list now they've combined especially if you go by date they've combined basically who is coming with for guest wise but also as attending professionals and as performers so we'll be doing samples of each one of them we don't know if these are guests or if they're professionals or what but we're going to announce them as we come and for a full list because this is just an abbreviated list you know of you know certain highlights of it that we found and if you want to get a full list of course we always tell people go to dragoncon.com you know if i went for the full list it would have been 11 pages and we'd be here for three hours me and mary reading it and getting on each other's nerves so we said no (laughs) so we've shortened it quite a bit so basically the whole cast of Winona Earp is going to be there. Doctor Who's going to be there. And that's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. I know. Damn it. All right. Mary, I'm going to let you start. Bottom up. Bottom up. Sounds good. Add a, add a girl. <laughs> Phantom Troublemaker is the co-host of the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show and the owner and operator of NeedlessThingsSite.com and NeedlessThings Podcast. Kevin Bouchelder has been podcasting about genre TV and movies since 2006. He is also the lead of the Dragon Con Newbies Group, which puts on events to help new attendees. And he is a member of the Con Report here. Absolutely. We are so proud of him. 
Tim Ronson's first major role was playing heartthrob Tommy Quincy on the teen drama series Instant Star. Recent series leads include two seasons playing Mutt Schmidt on CBC's run runaway comedy Schitt's Creek and charismatic gambler Doc Holloway in Winona Earp. Dominique Provost Chalkley began dancing and acting at the age of four after she quickly discovered her passion for all performing arts. Her favorite project to date is filming Winona Earp, where she plays Winona's younger sister, Waverly. I see a theme here. I don't know what. Catherine Barrell has appeared in numerous television shows in both Canada and the USA. She has a strong love for comedy performance and studied improvisation at the famous Groundlings Comedy School in California. She is most known for her role as Officer Nicole Hott in the Sci-Fi Network's Winona Earp. Emily Andrus has a diverse list of television credits to her name. Currently, she is the showrunner and executive producer of Sci-Fi's new hit series, Winona Earp. Previously, she spent three seasons as the showrunner and executive producer for Lost Girl. Shamir Anderson plays the role of the mysterious agent Xavier Dolls in Sci-Fi's Winona Earp. He will be seen recurring on the 2017 Fox miniseries Shots Fired. Doc Rotten is the host of show Horror News Radio, Decades of Horror, and American Horror Story fan podcast. He is also the editor-in-chief for Gruesome Magazine. James Palmer is a versatile, award-nominated author of science fiction and pulp adventure. His latest novel is Star Swarm, the first book in a new space opera trilogy. He's also co-creator of the alternate history giant monster anthology series, Monster Earth. A good friend of the show also. Absolutely. I'm happy for him. Yep. Daniel Griffin is an award-winning documentary filmmaker specializing in cult film documentaries. He is also the official documentarian for the Mystery Science Theater 300 should be 300 or 3,000. That's a misprint on their part. Television series on Netflix. Michael Faulkner is an award-winning writer and podcaster in pop culture. He also contributes to the DragonCon Newbies group, which helps new attendees to the convention. David P. Dreyer is the lead sport news reporter at Horror Channel, as well as the co-host of Horror News Radio. He has also worked on Tom Savani's Webmaster since 1997. CJ Boat is a podcaster, comedian, author, and professional geek. He runs the Geek IO Media Network and its podcasts. Matt Smith is an English actor who shot to fame in the UK at the age of 26 when he was cast by producer Stephen Moffat as the 11th Doctor in BBC's iconic science fiction adventure series Doctor Who. Since leaving Doctor Who, Smith has landed himself into a film career. Billy Piper's transition into acting began when she joined the BBC series Doctor Who as companion Rose Tyler. After, Piper currently stars as Bona, Brona Croft in the Showtime series Penny Dreadful. She will be appearing at Dragon Con Sunday and Monday, Monday only. I'm so excited! Karen <laughs> Gillian is a Scottish actress and former model, best known for playing the role of Amy Pond in the hit British TV series Doctor Who. Karen is also only appearing on Saturday and Sunday only, but she's also known to a lot of fans from Guardians of the Galaxy. That's right. And I think last year she was scheduled, but she had to cancel because she was working with The Rock on Jumanji, right? Exactly. Yeah, so hopefully she won't have any commitments to, to keep her from this year. Wait, 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 wait. They're rebooting Jumanji? You did not know that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a continuation, but I'm not sure. 
Oh, dear Lord, I need more booze. Okay, moving on. Debbie <laughs> <laughs> Vigay is the New York Times bestselling author of the Wicked series and four dozen other novels. Debbie writes thrillers, including the Psalm 23 Mysteries and the Witch Hunt trilogy. Debbie's also a demonologist and an actress. She plays a recurring character on the show Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Part of the ESO Network. Mark Muir is a voice of Commander Shepard in BioWare's Mass Effect trilogy and appeared in Boulder's Gate and Dragon Age series. He also voices Will McKenzie in The Long Dark from Hinterland Studios and stars in the Canadian TV series Tiny Plastic Men and Caution May Contain Nuts. That's what I'm she said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what she said. Mario <laughs> oh. Mansusi is a multiple Emmy award-winning TV producer and author of more than two dozen sci-fi fantasy books for adults, kids, and teens. Clay and Susan Griffith are authors of The Flash, The Hunting of Barry Allen, and Arrow, Generation of Vipers, official tie-ins for the hit CW series. They also are the creators of the Vampire Empire series of novels. Kurt Anderson is a professional magician and speaker about lying and deception. Kurt has performed extensively across the U.S. as well as internationally. Thomas Marinari is a writer and podcaster. He currently is the co-host uh, editor and also the managing editor of the Austin-based website oneofus.net and writer for Gruesome Magazine. His podcasting history includes co-hosting the Horror News Radio, the Hannibal Fan Podcast, the American Horror Story Fan Podcast, and the Monster Movie Podcast. And that is the list. Wow. Woo! It's only just uh, it's only just getting started. And I told you I edited it down. <laughs> The uh, uh, the Matt Smith news was pretty huge uh, when that broke. So, it's it's uh, the first Doctor from the new series. Absolutely, and uh, it's uh, it's cool. I am um, yeah. I, I've often criticized them for their lack of uh, who a guest. So I'm I'm glad that that's been addressed this year. So because we have that kind of power. Totally. Totally. We have mad clout. <laughs> Except well, with hotels. <laughs> but we got that parade down y'all <laughs> absolutely well awesome thank you mike and mary for reading off that list i know that some of those names are pretty challenging so we appreciate it um speaking of i guess on the topics of of guests of the dragon con one frequent guest has been uh adam savage and uh, I love Adam. Of course, uh, he's mainly uh, uh, known for his role in Mythbusters. And uh, now he's got a new uh, touring show called uh, Brain Candy. But uh, recently, uh, this uh, clip, this video uh, that uh, he put together, um, uh, or of him in public, uh, explaining to uh, someone in the audience about the difference between costuming and cosplay, and why it's... It's such a magical experience, uh, particularly for him, uh, it made the rounds. And I thought it was kind of an interesting um, thing to talk about. So this this is our group discussion uh, this month. And it, rather than get into the details be, between, you know, the semantics of what is cosplay and what is costuming, what's the difference and whatnot, um, because I do think that Adam may or may not be correct in his assumption that uh, of what uh, of how he defines them. Uh, compared to what other people that we talked to, um, 
I'm very, one of the things that he talks about, and the thing that I found really interesting uh, in this discussion uh, or in this presentation that he gave his answer is that when he experiences uh, cosplay, um, it, it brings uh, a, a level, it, it sort of whatever he's cosplaying as. In this case, the example that he uses is a, a movie called, uh, an animated movie called uh, Spirited Away. And, and he dressed as one of the characters and interacted with fans to the point where they they looked at him as a character from the movie, and and bringing a character from the movie, a bringing a character of something that he loves to life, representing that to people is a very special and very powerful um, uh, feeling that that he gets from from cosplay. Um, and since, you know, you, we obviously have some, uh, some costuming and cosplay people here, I thought it would kind of be an interesting discussion to see if that, if that is a similar to experience as to why, uh, uh, you guys do it, or if it's something a little different. So, um, I guess I'll open the floor up. Um, I, I you know, obviously, um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't dress up and, uh, you know, um, so I, I, am curious as to what, uh, what y'all feel about that. Um, oh, but you do dress up. <laughs> <laughs> Your plethora of Hawaiian shirts counts. Yep. It's, it, it, you know, you're in some ways you're right because it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, I would dress that way in a lot of ways normally if I could in my regular job. But I do sort of sometimes go a little bit over at conventions just as a presentation. It's the hat, right? The hat makes you go. The over. hat makes it go over, yeah. The the, the, the fez <laughs> that's your, that's that I acquired last year certainly is is a key element now. <laughs> but as far as that connection with, you know, certainly I felt it when someone when someone actually cosplayed as as Tiki Zombie last year. Yeah. I mean, I I Which kind of awesome. felt, I, and I felt that sort of connection. Even though that he and I had never met before, yeah. I, I felt that you know somebody took the time to to represent my creation, uh, you know, to to people, and 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 seeing pictures of him at Trader Vic's with people like drinking and partying and all that kind of Make stuff. Me. I just it it just it you know it really uh, moved me. And so I can I can sort of understand what he's talking about from that perspective because it is, it, it there is something. It's not just it's not just trick or treat dress up, right? No, no. You've you've managed to create a character that somebody felt uh, a kindred heartstring pull to in one fashion or another, um, to the point that they went ahead and decided to emulate that person and take it out for the public to uh, to digest um, in. At Dragon Con, and I can imagine. I mean, the viewpoint the viewpoint of being from a uh, creator standpoint is a really unique one in your regard. In my regard, I I cosplay, but I also costume in both senses. Uh, there are times when I'll create costumes that may or may not emulate characters from shows, movies, video games, books, you name it. Um, but I don't necessarily have the same pull towards them as I do some of the other characters that I do genuinely cosplay where I create that character and I embody that character. Uh, and my, I've always, 
always been fascinated with costuming. Uh, I have recently discovered that I probably should have just followed my my 12-year-old self and gone into to design and fashion instead of IT. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I would be a much better costumer. But there is a definite difference between when I am putting together a costume just to put together a costume versus when I'm putting together a costume to create a cosplay and a character and a mentality and the way that I'm going to interact and the way that people interact with me. That makes sense. Absolutely. Um, uh, Darren, certainly the the Wonder Warrior outfit is is I mean, is it gets attention. Yeah. It gets attention, um, sure, but also, I mean, it it must because as the iconic uh, of a of a character as Wonder Woman is, it mm-hmm. must be you must feel like an ambassador of sorts. Um, yeah, big time. Um, I look at myself as um, not not only like embodying the ideals of of Wonder Woman in a way. But trying to be that person who's kind of a a gateway for guys and girls who are like, hey, I want to cosplay that person, but I'm I'm not that gender. You know, there, there's a lot of crossplay now. But when I did it, um, there were two guys who dressed up as as Wonder Woman characters at the photo shoot. That doesn't mean there weren't more doing it. But now I don't think you could walk 50 feet in the Marriott without seeing a cross-gender character or a cross-play character. Um, you got Batman in a prom dress, for crying out loud. And God props to you, dude. You rock. <laughs> um, but, it, I mean, you're still above it all, I think. You're, you're there because you love that character. And you want to dress up like them because that's the character you connected to. I mean, I, I watched Wonder Woman when I was five and six you know, on, on TV. And uh, then I saw Super Friends and then I read comics and I was like, you know, I actually identify more with her origin story than I do the others. Um, and everyone, every guy wants to be Superman and Batman. Why not be Wonder Woman for a change? And then, of course, DC wrote a comic which um, reversed all the genders of all the heroes. So now you can be anyone you want to be in the DC universe because, hey, they're out there. I don't care if you've seen them on the page. They're, they're on another Earth somewhere do it and it it just gives you license to do something that's fun and uh at first shocking it's gotten more more of a it's gone a little bit more mainstream at least for the the con veterans they're like oh yeah it's a guy in a wonder woman outfit that's fine but every year at dragon i always run across someone who's who's fairly new or someone who's not accustomed to dragon con craziness who sees me in it and they're like they have to have a picture um because (laughs) They're like, they can't believe there's this dude walking around in a leather Wonder Woman outfit. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, sweet. Good good on you, man. So usually with their girlfriends laughing and pointing at the same time, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> do you find that, um, do you interact uh, uh, with children? Oh, yeah. I, I, I've gone to cons where there's more kids and it's more obvious that there are kids. And usually um, the parents actually um, call me over to pose with their uh, girls who are dressed as Wonder Woman. Awesome. Um, and I, I do the little bracelets cross and I, I show them how to do that. I'm like, yeah, be a princess. Woo. You know, 
And I was really surprised. Yeah, and I've had similar things happen to me, uh, in particular, which I was really surprised about was my Poison Ivy costume, which, if you all have seen it, is extremely revealing. I mean, it's covered, but it's still extremely revealing. And I've had several parents come up to me and little girls run up to me and just, like, latch onto my legs and want Mm -hmm. pictures and, you know... That's a that's an interesting situation because for those of you who don't know the the poison ivy costume is a part of a burlesque routine. So I, I walk a fine line of being over the top and what's acceptable to show small children. I I have often uh, heard from uh, some some customers that we've had in the past that especially when they if they are you know um, uh, depicting a certain character like Batman or Wonder Woman or Superman interacting with kids is uh, amazing amazingly a powerful and emotional experience oh it is oh, it's yeah. great but you uh, you as the adult never initiate that no you always let the parents and or the kid come to mm-hmm. you always and that, that's that's just a, a rule. Um, and this is this is also the rule, guys. Wear cups. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> telling you, dance a brief, yo. <laughs> that, that, There's well, there's that, but there's nothing like a nine-year-old skull in the junk coming that at too. you full force, <laughs> yeah. going, "It's green lantern!" And I'm like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, I am afraid of something. <sighs> okay. Um. Yeah. Just costume appropriate, please, and. You know, I, I think after dark, you can kind of get away with, you know, losing the cup because the kids are gone because I know they are uncomfy to wear. But, you know, during the day when the kids are out, protect the boys. OK, <laughs> just saying <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing worse than seeing Superman weeping in a corner at the Hilton lobby. OK, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a meme someplace. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, uh, Mike, I know that you've done a little bit of, of, of costuming, and especially with William. And now that William has become sort of an uh, internet sensation with his Oogie Boogie <laughs> outfit, right? Oh, of so, course. I mean, he must be experiencing that as well. That's oh, an amazing he, outfit. Oh, he is. He's like, Dad, I can't even tell you how many hugs I get or people wanting to take pictures. And I've seen his picture on so many different websites that I didn't even expect. It's just it's just really amazing to see, you know, with him because when we first started, he, you know, the one of the first ones we did was him and I as the Blues Brothers, right? And the, he was probably eight at the time, and he kept on, you know, I kept on telling him, "Don't smile," you know, the Blues Brothers don't smile or anything, and so he acted so serious. And then when people wanted to, you know, pose with him and stuff, he tried to act all cool and everything. And just it evolved. He he did Men in Black one year. He's done a couple characters from different video games, like wearing a clown mask and stuff like that. And it's just it's just amazing the top, you know how many different ones he's done. And I have, a, I have a point of order. Isn't the Blues Brothers costume almost the same as the Men in Black costume? <laughs> hey, we all we are all on budgets, and if you have to reuse a piece, you reuse that piece with pride. Damn straight. All he all he had to do was take the the hat off. Come on, it was uh, easy. Okay, just just clarifying, folks. See exactly. two costumes right there. Go to Goodwill. You're you're set. Hey, Good. dude. You know we didn't do any sewing. We didn't do anything. My first costume I did for Dragon Con, I think, was the first year I officially went uh, with William when we actually went in. I went as Silent Bob. 
and you know people actually were taking pictures with me and they one person came up to me i wasn't sure if i was going to come up to you to ask for you to take your costume because i didn't know if you that was just how you dressed in real life <laughs> uh, that's that's I, a good kevin smith joke right there <laughs> exactly i've had similar things said to me um i usually do one semi-dress down day where i do like full pinup gear and last year i uh, i did lady killer because my hair matched hers and everything. So that was more 60s instead of 50s themed. And I'll have people who stop me who want to take my picture while I'm at Dragon Con in my pinup gear, but they have to ask me whether or not I dress like that all the time or whether or not I'm supposed to be a character, <laughs> which I always find kind of funny. It is kind of strange. I mean, when I, I'm so, I'm so used to, especially at Dragon Con, but then going to conventions and seeing uh, people in cool outfits that I, you know, that catch my eye, whether I recognize them or not. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, and I want to get a picture of them that sometimes outside of conventions, when I see somebody wear something that I'm like, that's really cool. I'm like, Oh, I can't take a picture of that. Cause that, <laughs> that, that's kind of, that's creepy. Cause it's weird for you to walk up to somebody on the street and be like, your outfit's really neat. Can I have a picture please? <laughs> exactly. Excuse me. order. <laughs> there you go again. I have, this, I have this awesome Polaroid camera and candy. <laughs> do, do you mind Get coming the into the back of my van? <laughs> Get the van. <laughs> the very first convention I ever went to, I was I was in like maybe a freshman in high school, maybe eighth grade, and my mom like dropped me off, and I was like in my little costume and everything with my friend that I was there with, and it was an anime convention, and I I. You know, I thought I knew a lot about anime, but I'd probably seen like four <laughs> animes at the time. And so I kept seeing all these amazing costumes. And literally the whole day was just me taking photos of people that I had no idea what their costume was. I just thought they looked so amazing. So like periodically when I go home to visit my parents, I look through my closet from when I was a kid. And I've got like six rolls of film developed of just <laughs> pictures of people from one day at this anime convention. <laughs> That's awesome. Like and we remember kids. Remember to eat because you were just like creepily taking photos of people <laughs> all day long. It was awesome. And and remember, kids, if you don't know what the costume is, it's anime. <laughs> That's probably true. So, oh yeah, true. I remember going to Dragon Con for the first time with uh, Jason and Rita because it was their first time at the show, and I was showing them around, and they kept on looking. What's that costume? What's that costume? And it says, "If we don't know what it is, we all say it's anime." <laughs> Um, so Mary, in addition, like, so getting back to sort of the, 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 the Adam Savage thing, um, do you, do you think, or do you feel that there's a sort of a power with cosplay that, um, it's, it's like, it's not just about, you know, dressing up. It's, it's more, uh, there's sort of a, it sounds almost like there's a really an addictive high to it. Sure. Yeah. You know, um. I know a lot of people who are very particular about the uh, distinction between costuming and cosplay. And I think that that, um, you know, is really important. But for me personally, I, uh, I don't really care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really see it like that. Cosplay is a social activity for me. And I do, to some extent, um, take care to... Um, try to embody the character at least with poses for photos if not for actual like conversation with people and the way that I interact with people who are 
dressed up as characters from the same show or from the same property. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's something I'm interested in doing, and sometimes it isn't. Um, but but there there does come a confidence with it that you know I at least don't experience in other parts of my life. And I guess for me, that's sort of where the power comes from, rather than whatever connection I might make with people or. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I can feel better about myself um, when I'm pretending to be somebody else, which I guess is kind of screwed up. But um, I think doing something and doing something well can make you proud, um, whatever it is, whether it's cosplay or just the construction of your outfit or um, your day job or a talent or any or anything. And I think we can all draw a lot of um, power and personal fulfillment from just doing a good job. I don't really know if that's what you wanted to know, but that's why I no, like. Absolutely. And I would think <laughs> that there's something, even though it's not in an official capacity, although in some cases, uh, I guess now it is, but there must be something gratifying too in, in, in representing something that you love like that. Like, like, you know, if you, if it's Star Trek and, and you're, you're in a Star Trek outfit you're you're sort of representing your your what you are passionate about is your your fandom, and, yeah, and people are, are seeing you and enjoying Star Trek because of what you're bringing to it as well. That's actually a great example for me personally. Um, I cosplay Yeoman Rand from the original series, and even people who are fans of the original series might not necessarily know who she is. She's only in the first six episodes of the show, um, but some of my most memorable cosplay experiences have happened in that costume and I and I don't cosplay her particularly I I wear the outfit and I talk to people but I don't really try to embody her um but the first time I wore it uh was for a little Star Trek convention here in in Nashville and I really didn't think that that costume would get very much attention at all because she's she's just not really that major of a character but I had several, I don't know, maybe between five and 10, um, older gentlemen, you know, maybe between, I don't know. I mean, they were all older to me, maybe in their sixties. Um, just come up to me and say, I just love that you are dressed up as this character. I loved Yeoman Rand when I was a kid. I thought she was beautiful and so smart and, interesting and I had a huge crush on Grace Lee Whitney who played Yeoman Rand and I just really want you to know that I appreciate what you're doing keeping her spirit alive in in the Star Trek community and or just something to that effect and and it wasn't creepy at all because an interaction like that can be creepy like we've all all of us young women have had creepy experiences with older dudes like and so that's really sort of what I was expecting because that skirt is so short but um, but it wasn't. It was very respectful and very in the spirit of of the show and um, camaraderie uh, for something that you know maybe not a lot of people have remembered. Um, I don't know. That was well, I, that was. Really I totally cool. get that. I do. I, I I think that has to do with someone who is younger than the original source material. Yeah. And, and you see them, and they've discovered that source material, and they liked it so much. That they made a costume about it. Holy crap, that's cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly yeah. Like that. It's like that whole panel about movies in, the, in 1982. You know? Yes. Where, where, where there were all those great sci-fi movies in 1982. We were blessed. 
and then you find a, a guy who's maybe 15 who's walking around like Blade Runner. You know? Yeah, exactly. exactly. So I, I totally so get bring that. that. Bring that to somebody, you know, to inspire them maybe in a way um, or to remind them that what they love is still worthwhile even in the exactly. eyes of people who are exactly. younger. Um, that's been powerful. Totally. And and for me, for someone who, you know, doesn't dress up but likes to, you know, sort of go around, and I've always enjoyed the costume element of Dragon Con and the fact that it really brings out people who not only are exceptional at making costumes, but also uh, there's this huge range of people, you know, obviously you're going to see Stormtroopers and Deadpools and Deadpools and more Deadpools and... Um, <laughs> But it's then a you know of Deadpool's, we know. right? But but in the crowd, you know, of Deadpool's, I see the one guy who's dressed as you know Hunter Rose Grendel, and I'm like, oh my god, there's Hunter Rose! Like, <laughs> and and it's just like it makes me excited because somebody took the time and effort to bring to life a character that I like as well, and you know, I I and and I instantly like get excited and need to get a picture and all that kind of stuff and. And so from that perspective, I get it like that, you know, and I can only imagine on the other side of the mask, that guy is like going up like this is cool because this guy recognized me and he's really excited that I did this. Yeah, it's awesome. Like there are not very many costumes that will get me to stop and take a photo anymore. Like, to be honest with you, I'm pretty jaded with the whole like no, Mary, say it's not so. I, I just had to clutch the pearls, really. <laughs> I definitely think anyone should play anything that's going happy or that they love or something that they want to do, and I think that's wonderful. But there aren't very many things these days that are going to get me to stop and take a picture. You know, one of those things might be something with a lot of lights on it, or something that I can tell you took you three years to build, or something that your stitching is just impeccable. But some of them also are just like dumb little things that you never see people do. Like I saw somebody in um, two years ago, the jerk, uh, Martin, um, what's his face movie? Steve um, Martin. Yeah, the Steve Martin movie. Like She's that so blew my mind. I was like, that's amazing. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, and then the um, the bad guy from Demolition Man one time, like that blew my freaking mind. Yeah. I was like, yes. Um, just like dumb stuff like that that people don't ever do. But when you see people in those two or three or four little costumes team before, it is so exciting. Oh, yeah. My, my favorite I... one of those, a woman who dressed up as Carol Burnett in the Scarlett O'Hara yeah. outfit. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. The, the curtain rod, of course. <laughs> oh, I yeah, like, I remember yes, that one. I, I saw curtain. her. Oh. One of my favorites, though, a couple, I think it was two years ago, it was in the Marriott. It was uh, a younger kid, and I think her dad, they were dressed as Calvin and Hobbes, and they were dance, doing the dance that Calvin Aww. and Hobbes did. Oh, that's cool. That's that's pretty. I love stuff like that. Where, like You see like, dads and sons dressed up as Doctor Who number one and Doctor Who number 12 or yes. 10 or whatever. Yeah. That is beautiful. I love stuff like that. Yeah, um, I mean, we've seen, I think uh, Mike and I, it was in Dragon Con, but we were at a different convention, and we saw uh, a couple years ago uh, two boys, uh, young boys. One was dressed up CW Arrow, the other was dressed up as CW Flash. It just looked really cool. Oh, no, it's okay. I I just think that cosplay 
at this point for me is about those moments where you do feel like you connect with someone because of something that you love. And for me, like, I don't like anything if too many people like it already. So, <laughs> hipster. <laughs> and yet, she's got a Star Trek uniform. I wish I could change it about myself. It's <laughs> just something I have to deal with That's right now. That's just so three um, months ago. <laughs> <laughs> but so when I see someone that's in something that I love, like that is so exciting for me because like obviously it's not that cool because no one else likes it. Um <laughs> but then also to be able to connect with someone who when you're wearing a costume and they appreciate it, like that just means that just means so much. Like when I see my friends or even a stranger who wants to go talk to someone who's in a costume but is scared or doesn't want to or or whatever i just always encourage them to do it because you're going to make that person's day especially if they're in some kind of obscure costume and you recognize it like for the love of god like even if you don't want a picture just yell like great costume i love you or like something like that you're gonna make their day and it's such a big boost Two years ago, um, while I was at Dragon Con, I was in the food court because everybody ends up in the food court at some point. And um, I ended up seeing a woman who was dressed up as Jammer Lammy. And Jammer Lammy is a spinoff of the Parappa the Rapper PlayStation 2 series. I don't know if you all are familiar with it. But um, I saw her, the only one I had ever seen like her, the only one I've seen ever like her since then. And I proceeded to run up the stairs out the door and run over to her. And I was like, I have to get your picture. And we proceeded to jump up and down like little schoolgirls back in high school, because I was one of a handful of people who had actually identified who she was. And it's one of those great feelings. Absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. that's, I, and it's something that, you know, I don't think, you know, certainly the people outside of convention experience, especially outside of dragon con. I mean, I, I get people, um, uh, you know, that uh, at my day job or who don't experience this sort of thing kind of going, you know, I don't understand. Everybody's just dressing up. What's all that about? I, I think uh, for for people and I think that's what you know, that's what I think that's who Adam and his in his talk was addressing too. like it's it's not just like people, you know, trying to hide their identity or, or being, you know, um, uh, just sort of dressing up to dress up. It's, 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 there's a, there's a power there. There's a passion there. Um, and, and I think that that's what makes it, especially at Dragon Con where it's so prevalent, it makes it really a, a very special time. And, uh, and, and cool. Well, thanks guys. Uh, that was really awesome, uh, to, to talk about that. And, uh, I'm definitely, I encourage people to, to go and look for the actual, uh, clip that, uh, at, where Adam Savage talks about it. And, um, we will have more on that probably and more on cosplay and costuming later on. But, um, speaking of which someone who is not afraid to dress up, especially, uh, dress up like a, a carpet is eternal Zan. So we will talk to her now. And now we're here, of course, with the return of Eternal Zan. Welcome, Zan. Thank you. Thank you very much. How are you doing this month? Very well, thank you. So, um, so what topics do we got this time? Well, this time I have the Parade, the Sheraton, and the Marriott, because mm. that's pretty much the big news for this month. All right, let's hear it all. So you're going to start okay. with the Parade? I'll start with the Parade. Okay. Uh, Registration set a new record this year, and I am crediting this podcast for that because we mentioned last month that, you know, 
that the parade that this possibly rumors were swirling that this might be the last year for the parade. You know, again, those are just rumors. I don't know anything official, but last year registration closed in two weeks and this year it closed a day in a day and a half. So registration opened on Wednesday, February 15th, uh, like 9 a.m. ish, and then closed the very next day at around 7 p.m. So, but there's still hope because as always, there's a waiting list and here's how you can get to it. Go to dragoncon.org, the website, and then in the navigation, go to participate and then choose be in the parade. And then there is a link to the waiting list there, as well as all of the parade's contact information and their social media accounts. So the link there is for a waiting list for the parade as a whole. So you can sign up and they'll put you in a matching group of spaces open up. You don't have to know what group you're gonna be in because when you fill out the form, they'll put what your costume is and then they'll find an appropriate section to put you in. So the URL for that is tinyurl.com slash DC Parade 2017, and that's numbers 2017, waitlist. So that's tinyurl.com DC Parade 2017 waitlist. Now, if you know what group you want to join, or if you want to look for a group, you can contact a group directly to see if they have space or if they maintain their own waiting list. So with over 3,000 people marching in the parade, you can understand how having group leaders for the various sections really helps things stay organized. So to learn more about other groups in the parade or general parade rules, a good place to join is the official parade, the, the official Dragon Con Parade Facebook group. And then you read their pinned post and then scroll back to read recent posts and you'll learn more about other groups marching in the parade that way. And the pinned post is always the first post at the top of that Facebook group. So you can also email the head of the parade, Jan Price, for information at dc underscore parade at dragoncon.org. So, for example, I'm leading two parade groups I mentioned last month, the Eternal Members and Friends Parade Group and the Cult of Marriott Carpet Parade Group. So I put posts in the official Facebook group letting people know how to contact me to get on my group's waiting list. So if someone drops out later in the year, I will go through my waiting list, and then at the end of the year, if I end up with extra spaces because of people dropping out that I know I'm not going to use, I'll turn them back into the parade so they don't go to waste, and then the parade will pull somebody from their waiting list. So did that all make sense? Do you have any questions about the parade or how to get on the waiting list? No, it makes perfect sense, and it's amazing that it just went in a day and a half. Yeah, that's that's just unbelievable. It used to be it used to take months to fill up and now it's just boom, gone. So, you know, but there's a reason it's so popular. It's cuz it's totally awesome. So, um really quickly deadline about the Marriott. We mentioned this last month too. Um people who booked the Marriott at the Dragon Conrade already paid two nights deposit at the time of booking. And the rest of your payment is scheduled to come out on Wednesday, March 1st. So make sure you have an updated credit card on file so that your room doesn't get canceled when they try to take payment and it doesn't go through. So if in doubt, check that. 
And of course, if you have roommates, you might want to let them know, you know, if your card, if you don't want to take that whole hit on your card by yourself, let your roommates know, hey, you know, can you guys help me out and pay me a little bit early so that I, you know, so that I don't have to take this whole hit on my card. This is new for the Marriott. This They've never taken payment this far in advance before. What a lot of hotels do is if they take a deposit, the rest is due on check-in. But each hotel has different rules, so make sure you understand what the rules are when you book your hotel room. And then, as always, definitely read your confirmation email. So are you staying at the Marriott this year? Does this affect you? Not at all. I am staying at the Ritz-Carlton. Oh, okay. I've never stayed there. I've heard I've heard it's really nice, though. It is because it's still a unofficial host hotel with DragonCon TV, and it's owned by the same people who own the Marriott, but they are not doing you know the, all the different things. You only had to put down a night's deposit. You didn't have to do two nights, and they're not doing the rest of it till you check in. Yeah. Now, is it? I hope I'm remembering this right. Don't. Don't hold me to this, but is it the Omni that also had Dragon Con TV last year? I think so. I, yeah, I, I think I remember reading that somewhere. So, you know, and then of course there was a streaming membership last year, which they've made announcements that they're going to be expanding that. Um, they've been kind of vague announcements. They didn't uh, on the official Dragon Con page and uh, so uh, Facebook page. So, I don't. They haven't worked out all the details for that, but. Being able to get DragonCon TV, that's, you know, that's a big deal. Oh, exactly. So it's a lot of fun. And, yeah, the Marriott is, you know, changing the rules as it goes along. So, yeah, that can happen with any hotel any year. So, yeah, but DragonCon TV, I suppose we should mention for people that are new to DragonCon, is it's a closed-circuit television channel that shows live panels at DragonCon and some, like, reruns and ads and that sort of thing. Oh, they have. So, they also do so, have original programming, too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they have a ton of stuff. They have, like, music videos. Um, if you're sitting in a big panel room during DragonCon, they'll have bumpers. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, Adult Swim style. Exactly. Our friends Bob and Carl are up there. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the famous DragonCon mascots. So Bob and Carl, they're amazing. So DragonCon TV is something that you can, and well, until the streaming, which is a recent thing from this past year, you could only experience while you were at DragonCon. And if you're in your hotel, you would turn your TV to DragonCon TV if you were at one of the five host hotels or now the Ritz-Carlton and the Omni. And it's a great way to still experience the convention from the comfort of your hotel room. So that's DragonCon TV. Um, so the next thing I was going to cover is the Sheraton, which exploded on social media. Um, what happened? Well, it, was, it actually even made the news up here. Oh yeah, it was on it was on TV channels. I yeah. heard. I saw yep. links to that. So yeah, it was on uh, WSBTV.com. Yes, channel so, two, channel two for those who live in Atlanta. Okay, yeah, I don't live in Atlanta, so everything I see is from the internet. But what happened with, with them is people, at, like we said, different hotels have different rules. And what happened with the Sheraton was people who had already booked for their room and paid the entire full amount for their entire stay nearly a year ahead of time got this email saying that they were going to be charged an extra $20 a night plus an additional 9.9 
8% tax, so not 9%, 0.9, so almost 1% tax on the cost of their entire stay. And the reason for that was because of two separate tax increases that were voted in. And one of the tax increases was in the amount of 0.4% and the other 0.5%. So that adds up to 0.9%. And that'll be in effect by September. And taxes are charged based on when you'll be staying at the hotel, not at the time you paid a deposit or made another earlier payment. So this 0.9% tax increase actually affects all hotels in Atlanta, not just the Sheraton or just the host hotels. So everybody staying at a hotel in Atlanta by September, whether it's for Dragon Con or not, is going to have to pay this tax. So that's something to be aware of. And um, everyone who booked a room at the Sheraton at the discounted Dragon Con rate that had to pay the full amount of their entire stay ahead of time, you're going to owe more, not just because of the tax, but because some people were apparently undercharged. And this is where the news story comes in. So the Sheraton News, just to be clear, it's important not just for reservation holders, but for roommates who are staying with somebody who booked a room at the Sheraton. So if you're a roommate, definitely contact your room host and make sure they know about this and that they got this email and that they haven't lost their room because they haven't paid the increased amount, which is what the email said. It said, you need to pay this amount or we're going to cancel your room. So, you know, get on that as soon as possible so you don't lose your room. You know, check your spam folders. And in a minute, I'm going to give you uh, phone numbers that you can call. So if you didn't get the email and you can't find it, here are the specific phone numbers in that email that you can call. So, the original email from the Sheraton said, and I'm quoting here, due to an error and a recent state tax change, some Sheraton Atlanta room rates for the 2017 Dragon Con were published incorrectly. And then the response from Dragon Con officially was, quote, we have verified with the Sheraton Atlanta that there was indeed an error that resulted in the incorrect rate being charged during the process of bookings for the 2017 show. The rate that is now being charged, is, and that by that they mean the extra $20, is within extra $20 per night, is within our agreement with the hotel, and we are unfortunately able to do anything further. We encourage you to reach out to the hotel to work with them to get the issue resolved. They have been profusely apologetic about the error and have assured us that actions have been taken to ensure this never happens again. We apologize for the inconvenience. So here's the important part. Here's who you need to call. These are the contact emails that were sent out by the Sheraton. And this was confirmed on the Sheraton Atlanta's Facebook page that this was correct. And their Facebook page is just facebook.com slash Sheraton Atlanta. So here are those very important phone numbers. The first contact person is Janky Patel, and that's spelled J-A-N-K-I. And the last name is P-A-T-E-L, and they are listed as the revenue manager. And that phone number is area code 404-586-586. 3384. So again, that's 404-586-3384. And the second phone number listed is for Genevieve Laurent. 
And that is the Director of Reservations. And that phone number is 404-586-3367. And I recommend calling Monday through Friday during regular business hours, 9 to 5 Eastern Standard Time. So don't call a general 800 number because you're going to end up with somebody in a different city who's never heard of Dragon Con. So they'll basically look at you and go, yeah, so what? Yeah. But if you call the, the Sheraton directly and specifically those numbers that were mentioned in the email, they're going to know what you're talking about. Cause trust me, you're not the first phone call they've gotten about this. So there is a little bit of good news. That news story you were referring to, uh, which you can find on www.wsbtv.com. They have a couple stories on Dragon Con on their website. And they have a quote from the Sheraton that says, quote, we are working directly with every one of our affected guests and assisting them with their needs. By way of apology, we are offering everyone impacted a free one-night stay based on availability good for one year. However, that one night stay, it's been confirmed by people online who have asked about redeeming it, that free one night stay is not good for during Dragon Con. So, you know, you still have to pay that extra 20 bucks a night and of course the increased taxes. So some people are frustrated because they're saying, well, that's the only time I stay at a Sheraton is during Dragon Con. So, I haven't heard anything either way if that one night stay is only good at the Sheraton Atlanta or if it's good at any Sheraton. It would be great um, if it was any Sheraton because that would help at it, other cons. Yeah, I just haven't heard either way on that. But, you know, that's definitely something, you know, have everything in front of you when you call, you know, have your email. When they recalculate the math, definitely double check that sometimes when math gets recalculated, you might, you know, I've heard, uh, there's been, again, a couple of reports online of somebody saying, okay, well, I just did the math and I think your math is wrong. So double check the math as always read your confirmation email and your subsequent emails and understand, you know, what you're paying for and why. Exactly. Double check the math folks and definitely check your bills and your credit card statements just to make sure. Oh, yeah. I always check my credit card statement afterward. I check it during. Like you can, a lot of hotels, you know, they have apps now where you can check your statement during. So, you know, I've had stuff like everybody parked at MARTA and they charged me for a car. Well, nobody parked at the hotel. So I say, hey, no, none of us parked here. Please take the charge off. So, you know, sometimes it's something perfectly innocent by that. You know, uh, I've been lucky. I've never seen like, what is this pay-per-view charge? You know, it's never been anything weird like that. But yeah, always, always check your bill. Definitely. Not only during checkout, but when it actually hits your credit card, which is usually a few days later. Exactly. Just, you know, play it safe, as we like to say on the show. Yep. So were there any questions about the Sheraton, the Marriott, the parade, anything else that's going on, big news this time of year? You covered all the bases really well this time. And it really, you know, you're really thorough. And I think everyone out there really appreciates everything you did for them. And folks, you know, the Sheraton has always been, you know, one of the newer mainstays for the con. And I know a lot of people that stay there, but I've just, you know, Beware, you know, you got to make sure, you know, what's going on. And 
I talked to Mike Gordon the other day and, you know, he's staying at the Marriott and his other portion of the payment is due in a couple of days. He had to scramble to make sure he had enough money on his credit cards. Yeah. Now, the thing about the Marriott was that's not new. It's been like that since booking day. But a lot of people, you know, if you stay at the same hotel every year and you just don't double check the rules on the Dragon Con website on the host hotel pages, they list the rules before booking day. Or if you just skim over your confirmation email, because honestly, who doesn't skip over the terms and conditions sometimes? You know, we all do that. So sometimes if you think, oh, it's the same as last year, it's really easy to miss these things. So what I always recommend is for anything that's a deadline, put a reminder in your calendar organization's organizational system, whatever you use, for a couple weeks ahead of the deadline. And then that way, you, you know, you've got a reminder, oh, I need to transfer that money to this account, or I need to contact my roommates and may, make sure they paid me on the deadline we agreed on. So yeah, as long as you're, you know, you kind of get little reminders ahead of time, you can make sure to transfer the money around as needed. Because yeah, it's a lot of people, you know, you have to set aside money for Dragon Con. It doesn't just magically appear. Exactly. You know, that's really good information. And I'm sure we'll have a lot more little tidbits and stuff next month, too. Yep. I am looking forward to it. Thanks much, Zan. And how can You're people welcome. find you? Um, well, I post in, well, for the Sheraton issues, specifically the Dragon Con Rooms group, which is a Facebook group. You just search for Dragon Con Rooms. That's laser focused on the topic of hotel rooms. So you can find a lot of Sheraton posts in there. And then I also post in the main Dragon Con group. So you can just tag me in there. My website is www.dragonconeternalmembers.com. That's plural. So there's an S at the end. And my name is spelled Z-A-N, so it rhymes with fan, but it starts with Z as in zebra. So it's Zan, and my last name is Bowden, and that's spelled B-O-W-D-E-N. And I always tell people it's bow like what little girls wear in their hair, and den like where a bear lives. So it's Zan Bowden, and that's what you can search for if you want to tag me in a face group. Facebook group that we happen to be in together or on the website I mentioned there's a contact form if you have any questions about anything I think that's fantastic alright Zan we'll see you next month thank you and now joining us once again we have with us Kevin Batchelder who in addition to being a uh, a prominent member of the uh, Dragon Con newbies group is also I think um, I think it's fair to say that you are a authority maybe um on fan panels uh, you've certainly participated in quite a few of them and uh, i wanted to talk about fan panels because um you know i still see questions about them all the time about exactly what is a fan panel um, or just related questions like i'd really like to see this panel at dragon con how can we make this happen um how do panels work you know where do the ideas come from uh, how do I get on panels? Who determines who's on panels? Is it guests? Is it, you know, just uh, staff members of those particular tracks? It's, it's. It, there's a lot of questions about panels, and ever since I think it's fair to say that ever since there's been a Dragon Con, there have been fan panels. Um, uh, I think that's really kind of the backbone of of Dragon Con. 
Oh, I would definitely agree. And, and I, but I'd probably stop short of calling myself an authority. I'll just say I have a lot of experience in that area. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> He's been um, there, done that, wrote the book. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, so, um, so how would you describe, uh, how would you describe fan panels? Well, a thing, and I won't say it's unique to Dragon Con, but it isn't something you see at a lot of conventions is the idea that while a lot of people are drawn to attend based on the celebrity guests and the big names that they're excited to see from their favorite shows or movies or authors. Uh, as you said, and I agree, the backbone, the key part, the thousands of hours of programming at Dragon Con are fan panels, which are just that. They are discussion panels simply of fans and maybe some folks who, you know, are somewhat uh, topic experts or, like myself, experienced in certain areas. But uh, it's certainly not something where there's celebrity involved. Uh, but it's talking about everything, favorite shows, movies, books, geek topics, you name it. It's a it's a set of fans sitting down, sometimes in an organized fashion, sometimes in a totally willy-nilly approach, depending upon the track you're in. But uh, <laughs> it's fans interacting with other fans. That's that's a great way to put it, um, because, I mean, a lot of people would think, say, a fan panel would be, you know, oh, Patrick Stewart is having a panel. So all the fans are going to go to see him. You're going to listen to hear him talk. And that's that is one interpretation of it. But what we're talking about here are panels that are, by and large, run by fans, just like Dragon Con itself is is run by fans. Uh, the, the tracks are put together by people who are fans, who are passionate about those uh, particular topics and um, fan panels are our group discussions. They are the kind of discussions that you would have in a comic shop or in a lot of places that you see now online. This is, but prior to there being an online group, uh, Facebook groups and whatnot, the, there was, you could go to these panels and you could connect with people who like you were passionate about a certain fandom. And, um, you know, you're, it's not a question of getting quote unquote experts uh, on a panel. It's enthusiasts and people who are hopefully skilled at leading the discussion and as opposed to controlling it. I think, I think, uh, there does seem to be, look, I think we've all seen fan panels where they're not as, as good because the people who are up in the, uh, up on the panel, they thought they that it was all about them when it's really supposed to be a shared experience and a discussion about a particular fandom or mix of fandoms or a particular angle uh, towards a, a genre. Um, I mean, case in point, you could say that, uh, you know, obviously uh, sharing a love for, say, say a show like Deep Space Nine you would go there and everybody would talk about what they love about the show, maybe some things that don't work for them, but it would be a group discussion. Some panelists would lead the way, maybe kind of provide some insight depending on what they brought to the table. But pretty much everybody would be able to participate um, and there would be it would be a group effort. Um, I, I think another uh, example would be, um, you know, uh, something like the the use of. Um, or maybe uh, something like um, women in women roles in 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 fantasy fiction, and you know, the, so there would be a lot of people. Uh, you'd have some people that maybe were authors, although they're not they're not there strictly to promote their work and talk about their work, as they are as as fans and as concerned fans about that genre. Is that fair? Or am I going on too much about that? 
No, I think from your description is, is because that's a great example of how different it can be at con though. Um, with the close to 40 different programming tracks, each track director gets to have their own style of panel. And as you're describing, Mike, some of them are very shoot from the hip, um, you know, with, with a group of panelists that are kind of all on a peer level together. So it can sometimes get uh, very loose in how it's uh, being approached and discussed. Sometimes that's wonderful, sometimes not so much. Some other track directors appoint a moderator. Could be one of the fans on the panel. They have the moderator to help guide the discussion. Other tracks literally have an appointed moderator who barely even gets involved in the conversation. Their sole job is to bring up topics and keep things on point. So as with all things con-related, you, you know, you get your different experiences in different areas. But, you know, every time you go, it can be a little different based on the topic and how, like you described, sometimes it's very specific, like just that. Sometimes it's just covering the latest season of Arrow or a certain TV show or a book series. And sometimes it's cross-track uh, topics that are kind of melded to give you something to talk about. That's the exciting part every year. The track directors come up with these ideas, and a lot of time it's from input from the attendees. That's where being involved in some of these Facebook groups and forums throughout the year can help uh, you know, really become make you become a part of the con because you can share an idea that might turn into a panel. And, and now is the time. Um, they, the track directors start their programming and their ideas for programming um, very early. Um, they've already received feedback for what worked, uh, what was popular last year. So obviously they're going to the more popular items, the more popular panels they're going to keep. Um, and then they've only got a few slots left for uh, that are open for this year. And, um, you know, even though there's, 40 tracks full of, um, you know, hours and hours of programming, you would, it's amazing to me talking to these directors, how limited they are in terms of what new panels they can bring to the table because they have to, they're, they're fulfilling like the stuff that, you know, that people come to see, have come to see like every, every year. And um, then there's just only a few openings for what they can bring that's new. Yeah, and one thing that's definitely helped in that era, I think, is, uh, for those of you who have been to Con at least once, is the fact that now with the app, uh, if you're using the smartphone app, you can rate a panel uh, yes. on you know, how enjoyable it was, what the content was like, and the track directors and, and all of the folks who helped to run the Con look at that. And that can steer uh, content for the next year or make sure that a certain speaker is back because they were so good, or maybe they don't invite a certain speaker back to that panel <laughs> if it didn't go as well. So... You know, that's where your experience as a con goer really can help to shape it, too, is the feedback to let us know, you know, and, and I am able to see some of the feedback for the panels I've been on, um, some suggestions for how I could do personally some things better, which are, is great to see, you know, and we can incorporate that year to year to make things better for everybody. I think, uh, though, I mean, if you're looking at the schedule and it's certainly a personal choice, um, if you're looking at the schedule and you see that, you know, that, um that, you know, Matt Smith and, and Karen Gillian and, and Billy Piper are going to be at a panel and they're going to talk about Doctor Who. That's great. And, and you get to hear it right from the horse's mouth. And then you look at something else on the schedule and in the Brit track, there's a, you know, a panel, a fan panel. And it doesn't indicate in big, bold letters that it's a fan panel. But it'll say something like, you know, Doctor Who in the 11th, the 11th Doctor era, you know, how 
what uh, what went right, what went wrong, you know, talking about the Matt Smith time period. Now, you might think, well, that's not that doesn't have anybody. I'm looking at the the panelists. That doesn't have anybody who worked on the show. That doesn't have any of the actors in it. That what's the point in that? What's the point in me going to that? Um, well, I, I do think that. Um, having participated in a lot of pa- fan panels, um, there it's a great way to 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 find like-minded people who are passionate about the same thing that you're passionate about. Now, you're not always going to agree on certain things, but uh, I will say that when a panel is really well done, like it is in most cases at Dragon Con, um, you're going to find that the discussion is going to cover topics that uh, you might not have ever thought of as far as the way you've looked and perceived that series. Um, and it's just a great to hear all the perspectives of, of what's happening with a particular show. Oh, absolutely. And that's again, where you get, you know, you hear us talk. Uh, I'm certain the three of us and many other folks who've been to con, when people talk about coming and their concern, cause it's, you know, tens of thousands of attendees. Well, I, you know, how will I, you know, make a friend or whatever. As you said, if you go to that fan discussion panel on, fill in the topic. Obviously the people who've chosen to be there, they're because they are passionate on that topic, you know? So as you said, you start up a conversation. I've made so many friends, which is why I love doing so many panels every year because people in the audience want to talk even further about that topic. Or if I'm just attending a panel myself, there was a great one last year in the American sci-fi classics track on, uh, uh, what was it? Was it the Big Trouble in Little China, or or one of those uh, retrospectives that uh, Joe and Gary do a great job with? Obviously, everybody there was a huge fan of that movie series. We had a blast just talking on the panel, but also afterwards with the people who were there. So that's why I say it's uh, a great way to find other people who share uh, a similar passion, or you want to get involved yourself. Eventually, that's how I, you know, started being speaker ten plus years ago. I attended a few panels. Thought I knew as much as the people I saw on the panels, not in a negative way, but like, oh, I, I could talk about this. And sure, started offering to be involved. And, you know, it grew year to year in my case. So that's something that can be a lot of fun. And like I said, I've I've had the pleasure of being a moderator on some panels. And I like that structure sometimes. I've also been a panelist on panels that have been a little more just casual, kick your chair back. And we have as much input from the uh, folks in the audience as you do the people on the panel. So, you know, it's that's what I love about Con. You never know what you're going to get panel to panel. And some of them can be, you know, it, it may, they may seem like, oh, they're not going to be that big a deal. We're just going to have a group talk. But some of them can be the most enjoyable times you will have had a convention. Um, I, and, and for me personally, as a panelist, um, I, because, you know, most of the panels that I do are fan panels. I mean, I do I do participate every once in a while because of uh, my comics and because I do the publishing thing and even the podcasting thing. So there are times when I am uh, I am it is not a fan panel that I'm on, but there most of the time uh, I love participating in fan panels because they're just fun. I'm I'm a fan. I'm a passionate about things and uh, I love talking about them. And I love hearing other people, uh, their perspective on things and. One of the things, uh, and I'm uh, I'm sure this has happened to you, Kevin, um, but one of my favorite moments at any panel is after the discuss- after the panel is over, you will have people approach you um, because they were, you know, either too shy or they just couldn't get in some of the things that they really wanted to say about the topic. 
And yet they seek you out after the panel to continue the discussion. And that to me is when I know that a panel has really worked and that, that it's, it's, it's because that's a connection that you make after the panel is over and you don't forget those people for the entire weekend. Oh no. And that's a lot of the fun because you'll certainly for myself catch a panel maybe on a Friday and there's a certain speaker up there uh, that really knows their stuff and you have that connection to, you can look in the app or the printed guide and see what other panels are going to be on the rest of the weekend. And it might change your approach to what panels you're going to attend. Uh, because, you know, it's just someone that uh, very much clicks with you or they seem to know their stuff. Like you said, they could be an attending press, you know, attending professional. Maybe they're an author or an expert in that area. Maybe it's just a fan. You know, they, they, they don't even have their own podcast or blog, but they just seem to know their stuff. And that's something that you that's why we go to these cons is to find like minded people and get to hang out with them. And unfortunately, I don't know how it hasn't happened yet, but Kevin and I have never been on a panel together. <laughs> well, we say that, but, you know, when you look at the schedule, there are, what, uh, thousands of them? I mean, so it's there. not like there's only eight and somehow we couldn't get together on that. It's it's, it's true. Amazing. But you just think the law of averages would at some point. And eventually you know. at some point. I know. But then again, I. There's many people every year I go, oh, yeah, I'm going to run into the car. We're going to hang out. And then I never see them over four days because, you know, we've got five hotels, multiple floors, 40 tracks. There you uh, go. Yeah, absolutely. And but, you know, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's great that, you know, I, I know, though, from your reputation, uh, even before you were on the show, that you had a reputation of being a strong panelist. Um uh, real quick, just to, before we end the segment, like, what would you, what, what do you personally sort of make sure that you bring to the table as a panelist? Well, it, if you are someone who's considering doing it, the the thing that uh, really helps the uh, value of the panel for the attendees is, let's face it, all of us, if if we're volunteering to be on a panel, we think we're got something to contribute. Try to interact with your fellow panelists more than just getting your opinion across. Those are the panels that aren't the most enjoyable uh, is when you've got if there's four of them up there. All you get is four different opinions. You're trying to bounce off an idea or a topic that someone else comes up with um, and, and stir a good conversation that way. So it's, it's usually a situation of being willing to bite your lip a little because uh, most of us don't have a problem sharing our opinion if we're geeks, um, mm. to maybe see what else is coming around from the audience there. I mean, sometimes I've gone with us to a panel with a set of 10 bullet points that I think are going to be the things that p- people want to talk about or hear about, and that thing gets ripped up and thrown away, and we hit only 2 out of 10, because the audience just decided this was what they wanted to go deeper on. And adjust and roll. That's where uh, it's been very interesting sometimes, and that's the challenge that I love at a panel sometimes, is realizing... It's not a, uh, you know, stand at the moderator uh, microphone and, and spew for 10 minutes. It's wait and see what your audience and fellow panelists want to talk about. Yes. Very good point. Very good point. There are uh, quite a few times where, unfortunately, I've been, and this is not just a, a not even more of a Dragon Con thing, but sometimes uh, at other conventions, I've been, you know, with sharing the the panel with people who were not willing to share so yes uh but you know i um you know that is uh and dragon con's really good about about weeding a lot of those out i mean certainly you know it's 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 not something that i would say is is 100 percent yet but but yet most of the track directors know uh who works as far as panelists and who doesn't 
And um, uh, the best way to, you know, sort of become a panelist is to go to a lot of fan panels and, you know, start interacting from the crowd. Oh, yeah. and, and, and once you're comfortable with that and, and the track room is tr- comfortable with you, um, you'll be a lot more susceptible to having you be on a panel. Yeah, and the same way as you mentioned earlier, too, the year-round nature of the con with all the tracks, not all of them, but many of them having Facebook discussion groups, search it out on Facebook, and if nothing else, lurk in the group. Start to see which people contribute. The track directors will often post some of the tentative schedules and topics. You think you know what you're talking about. If you've been active in that group for six months and say, hey, I'd like to speak on that topic, track director's got a much better shot at thinking, hmm, okay, maybe I'll let this person in rather than if you just come in cold. I mean, some tracks, literally, it's a very loose, just, hey, anybody who's got an interest, let me know, and they might do a little vetting from there. Some tracks have you fill out in a complete online form <laughs> based on what your uh, background is. So, you know, just, uh, you know, dip your toe in that and learn a little bit if you think you're someone who wants to get involved. Absolutely, absolutely. And now is the time. You can get involved with the Facebook groups. You can certainly, if you have any questions, uh, you can go to the uh, great uh, Facebook group of uh, DragonCon newbies, and uh, and and Kevin and everybody else who's there will will help you out. And and Kevin, um, where else can can people find you? Because in addition to uh, your you know wonderful panels that you do at DragonCon, you also are a member of uh, you do a lot of podcasts that are almost like like fan panels in a way. Yeah, I, I a big part of the reason why I'm comfortable speaking is because I've been a uh, podcaster for 10 plus years, uh, primarily over at uh, tuningintosci-fi-tv.com. My friends uh, Brent and Wendy and I uh, have been covering genre TV every week for eight plus years, so we enjoy discussing them there. You can get some of that there uh, if you're a, a fan of that type of stuff. Otherwise, as you mentioned, the DragonCon Newbies group on Facebook, as well as the uh, walking tours and other Q&A panels that we do. Info on all that stuff is available if you go to dragonconnewbies.org. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Kevin, and we'll see you next month. All right. Always fun, guys. Thanks. And so we draw a close to another episode of the 2017 DragonCon Con Report. Big thanks to everyone for joining us on this episode. As always, we are glad to hear from Eternal Zan and Kevin Batchelder. And much thanks to our station crew here. Thanks, Tacoma. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And uh, see, I remembered to introduce you this time. So And say goodbye to me. <laughs> You're really part feel, of the show now. I feel very special now. <laughs> awesome. Uh, thank you, Mary. Anytime. It was a blast. Absolutely, absolutely. And Darren, thank you. Oh, you're welcome, guys. Any old time you need me, you know who to call. Well, we will be doing it again next month. Uh, Thank you, Mike, of course, for which none of this would be possible. I'm the guy who hits record, so you're right. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks. Mike. Absolutely. Oh, no problem. Is that kind of like the easy button? Exactly. Hey, 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 don't touch my button. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so easy. (laughs) Uh, We try to cover all we can with these special reports, but uh, keep up with the latest news. Please check out the official Dragon Con website, social media outlets. All the tracks are active on Facebook. Uh, They have Twitter accounts, various social media. Please reach out to them. 
uh, here at uh, the Earth Station One Network. We can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Stitcher. We want you to be part of the station, so please feel free to join us on the discussion in those groups. Uh, you can also help us out by donating via PayPal, purchasing some very cool ESO merchandise from our Zazzle store, or filling up your cart uh, at our Amazon e-store. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Mike Gordon, and it has been my pleasure. We'll see you at the con. We like has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.